Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 22 of Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to be reading beginning in verse 21. And Jehovah God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which Jehovah God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And I'll stop reading there. We saw in our last Bible study how God... um, built the woman, the the Hebrew word translated as made, is overwhelmingly translated as build or building. And we saw how that related to God building the woman or the wife, the bride of Christ, who is also called the church. Remember, we went to Ephesians chapter 5 and I'm going to go there and read uh, a portion of that again at this time. It says in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore is the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause... Shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. It's just astounding how God has arranged the marriage institution and how God uses the marriage institution that he created, God's the one who formed the woman in the manner that he did 
in Genesis. God took Adam's rib and, and built the woman and brought her unto the man and then joined them together in marriage. The two shall be one flesh. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 concerning marriage when the Pharisees were questioning him about putting away their wives. And he said in Matthew 19:4, and he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Now, uh, we, we have many institutions in this world, but how many institutions are there that go back to the very beginning of the creation and are said to have been started by God himself. As it says here, he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and God brought them together in marriage. It, it, it really serves to highlight the marriage institution uh, in a tremendous way. We have many things that are part of our society that we uphold and and we have respect for but the marriage relationship god himself initiated it god himself brought the woman to the man joining them together in marriage and from that point they became one flesh in his sight and and god did it of course in a um a miraculous way uh, as he he took the rib from Adam and built the woman and yet at the time God did it it was before the fall of man into sin uh, man was still good the woman he created was good they came together in marriage which was good everything was good uh, every aspect of what God had done in regards to the marriage. There was no sin in the world. There was no fall and curse upon the creation or a curse upon mankind. Not at the point that God instituted the marriage relationship. That's how ancient, that's how ancient the marriage relationship is. It predates the fall of man into sin it goes back before adam and eve took of the forbidden fruit before they were deceived by the serpent before then they were married they were joined in marriage by god and throughout the history of the world throughout the thousands of years and we know Actually, how old exactly the world is as God created the world in 11,013 BC, 1988 was the 13,000th year of Earth's history. And so in the year 2016, 
We're living in the 13,000th and 28th year since creation. And, and for thousands of years, for practically 13,000 years, it wasn't until about the 20th century that the marriage institution began to be eroded, began to be distorted, and the time of the end was getting near. And so God was allowing man more and more of his sinful desires in in order to prepare man for the final judgment. And also God was allowing the church to go further and further astray. And for centuries, the church had permitted the idea of divorce to enter into some of its confessions and some of its creeds. The Reformed churches permitted this, that there could be divorce for fornication or adultery. And yet they did not themselves utilize what they considered to be allowance by God for divorce. No, you would not find divorce in the church uh, hardly at all, if at all, in the 16th century, 17th, 18th, 19th century. But in the 20th century, it began to creep in. And one of the big ways that sin has spread has been through the development of the electronic media and radio and, and TV and movies. And, and so when ideas that were limited in past generations to just the sinners themselves and, and as many people as they could communicate with verbally or, or maybe through writings, um, in writing a, a, some sort of play or story. Yet now with the advent of the electronic medium and the ability to communicate to masses as people were amazed at moving pictures and so they went to theaters and watched stories unfold on the screen. And then they began to hear about the Hollywood uh, stars and and how they were divorcing. And it was shocking. It was shocking. They Hollywood became a sort of a, a, a corrupt place in the eyes of many in the civilized nation of the world. Yet, over time, now this one's remarried, this star who, um, who, who he's such a good actor, and when he plays that role, oh, he, he seems, uh, so, uh, diligent and, and so heroic, and, and he looks like a star up on the screen. How can this man do anything wrong? And now he's on his third wife. And, well, over time, and now that actress also is divorced and, and, and she's on her fourth husband. And yet, oh, I love her movies. I love her pictures. And, and it began to seep into the culture and the church. The church had a long standing problem throughout its history, but it had the problem that ancient Israel or national Israel of old had and that was to look out towards its neighbors and to lust after 
the things of of the the heathen nations. And so Israel of old lusted after the Assyrians who spoke a language they understood not. Judah lusted after the Babylonians who also spoke a language they understood not. Now God uh, set up the church for finally going astray, apostate, uh, in large measure after tongues, after the, the charismatic movement, where there was language spoken they understood not. But also in, in many ways, in, in various ways, the church began to look to the world and, oh, well, what do you know? Hey, when, when uh, these reformers wrote down these confessions, these faithful men of old, look, they saw here where it says in Matthew 19, Jesus said, answering the Pharisees' question about divorce, here in verse 8, he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now, there is all kinds of information in this passage that teaches there's not to be divorced for any reason. And yet, with an eye towards the world, towards Hollywood, towards the unsaved people of the world that were becoming looser in their morals, the church looked and they they saw except for fornication, and they said, "There it is, like God, we hate divorce, oh, we despise divorce we we don't want anything to do with divorce, except, except God does allow divorce for fornication. And, and so that began to take center stage. It, it began to be in the forefront of the eyes of the churches and congregations of the world more and more. And then into the 20th century, there were members of churches suddenly divorcing for fornication. And so it began now. It wasn't unheard of. Oh, there, there would still probably be gossip about this one or that one that had divorced. Can you imagine? But just as it began in Hollywood and spread throughout secular society, now it begins. Pandora's box has been open because they feel justified since a faithful reformer had written something down in a confession or a creed. And, and therefore, uh, although they despise the idea, we cannot keep the people from divorce in the case, only the case of fornication. That's how it began. That's how it began, and um, uh, you know, you always hear about the edge of the wedge. And when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to doctrine, especially, th- this is Satan's um, methodology, oftentimes 
just just allow a little bit, just a little crack. That's all I'm asking. And look, you can keep your major doctrines. I, I'm not um, I, I, I'm not coming to you in any way uh, to take away the marriage institution. Oh no, this is a minor thing. How many people would actually divorce for fornication or adultery? It would just be a minuscule number. And so just allow this. And the the pastors and the elders and the deacons, well, maybe they put up some resistance like Saul, King Saul of old, would have put up some resistance of the people when they were pressuring him to do something. But also like Saul, if the people wanted him to do something, he gave in. Didn't matter what God had desired. No, it was the pressure of the people. And so the people who also were watching the Hollywood movies, some of them, and and seeing the society change around them, they began to want the same thing. And just for fornication, just a safety net in case something goes wrong in the marriage, and there is your little crack, and you, you fit the wedge, which... Uh, goes into the crack, just that little crack, so you can get the tip of the wedge in. And then once the tip of the wedge is in place, you bring down the hammer and it splits the wood. It splits it wide open. And, and that's what's happened today. Do churches and congregations talk about marriage only for fornication? It's really of no concern, but but the point is, if you were to go into any church today, you would find a significant number of the members of the congregation are divorced. And why did you get divorced? And, and not divorced before they entered into the church, but divorced while in the church with the pastor's blessing, with the elder's blessing. And why? Well, uh, we just had insurmountable differences. We were, we were arguing. We, we were, we were doing this. Well, where's the fornication? Where's the adultery? No, that wasn't the problem. And it just opened wide up to divorce for any reason whatsoever. And, and of course, that's how it is in society. People get married now and three months later they're divorced after their first fight. And, and and so the marriage institution that God began, that God himself designed, that this is all God's doing. Adam didn't say, hey, I, 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 uh, here, here's how marriage should be. Adam didn't say, now me and the woman will be one flesh. God formed the woman brought the woman to the man, said the two are one, and God also established safeguards, protections around the marriage relationship, around the marriage institution that that stood in place for practically all of Earth's history in the many nations of the world, even outside the church, for thousands of years, they stood 
against assaults. There, there, there would have been similar type, uh, assaults coming against marriage in time past, but they stood until we got near this 13,000 year mark of earth's history. And why is that? Because the marriage relationship is built into the fabric of man's society. It, it is through marriage that children come and the family, the, the family lives and, and uh, the families that come together form the, the towns and the villages and the cities and the states and the nations. And it, it is through the family that society functions and, and, and God uh, required that time unfold and and therefore God required functionality in the people of the world over the course of the many thousands of years of history. Yes, there would be all kinds of sins uh, even in the family, in the marriage and so forth. But still, the basic framework was there safeguarded by God's command that what he had joined together, let not man put asunder. And through that, God worked. He worked to accomplish his purpose of salvation. It's uh, ironic that one of the reasons that God wanted the, the world society to be able to function throughout its history is so there could be a relatively stable world for the sending forth of the gospel. And as the gospel would go forth, it would seek and find the lost sheep of the house of Israel, God's elect, and the elect would come together building the woman, the bride of Christ. In other words, the marriage relationship had relative stability throughout all of Earth's history while God was building his woman, the spiritual woman, the bride of Christ. As Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then when we get to the time of the end, the time of God's great completion of his salvation plan, or the completion of the building up of the spiritual bride of Christ, the woman, the church, the eternal church, comprised only of elect, then suddenly the marriage institution becomes a shambles, and the divorce rate is over 50%. And not only that, but Satan, who has been desiring to uh, uh, attack and assault the marriage relationship all through history. And he had, again, successes in various ways, but never like what has occurred in the last few decades where now people live together and, and don't get married and those that do get married only stay married for short periods of time it's nothing to anyone to marry a second, third, fourth time. And even his most wicked grand achievement of now shattering the marriage relationship and what it reflected, what it illustrated 
in in the spiritual realm to such a degree that now it's common for men to marry men and women to marry women, which goes contrary to everything God established and for the underlying spiritual reasons that God established it. And we have to wonder, you know, we have many signs from the Bible, and they're found in the Bible, many indicators of the time of the end of the world. We we have the indicators of the apostate church, the end of the church age. We have the indicator of Israel being a nation again after having been scattered for almost 1900 years. We have the indicator of the increased wickedness in the world, all over the world, as man's iniquities are multiplied to an incredible degree and and his heart has grown cold. And we have the indicators of the biblical calendar of history all coming together at this time. But another indicator must be Another indicator of the soon end of the world must be the destruction of the marriage relationship that we have witnessed, that we have seen play out over the last few decades. Since the family and marriage is an integral part of family, since the family it forms the basis for society, how can the world continue to operate? How can it continue for any significant length of time into the future when its marriage relationship, that, that glorious, wonderful institution, has been shattered? Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.